ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله لا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرساله وادى الامان ونصح للامه وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى اتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها الا هالك اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاولين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاخرين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الملأ الاعلى الى يوم الدين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في كل وقت وحين وعلى اله الاطهار وعلى اصحابه الاخيار وعلى اتباعه الابرار الى يوم الدين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذين تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وبعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وان خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وشر الامور لمحدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار so this is the last friday of the year and it's not only the end of the year but it's also the end of a decade and it is common in our modern culture in the modern western culture that we look at time in decades you know the 20s the 30s the 40s it's very common and this is a modern thing in the past people probably looked at things more during as political times this was the time of such and such rule such and such rule and they still have that in japan for example they mark time by the passage of the the emperor and this is the age of this emperor this is the age of another emperor and in some of our islamic writings they usually pass the time by marking marking the time by great spiritual and religious figures but nonetheless it is always wise for us to reflect because the prophet sallallahu he said part of the definition of a believer is that he has aliman bi zamani that they, he knows and she knows when they live and they know that which is incumbent upon them now. So the Prophet said in, in another, in, to look at it from its opposite, it is not from the sunnah of the believer that they live outside of the age that they live in. You know, the believer is not somebody that's, you know, I'm going to live like the way people lived two, three hundred years ago. But the believer is somebody they know when they live, where they live. How they live, what they must do now. So this is a sunnah of Islam that we reflect. 
And when I was thinking about that, about this, it's funny, you, you read different commentary, people are like, oh, this is the best decade ever. And you read somebody else, say, oh, this was the worst decade ever. You know, it depends how you define it. If you look at what's happened to our community globally, this last decade was a disaster. How many Muslims have been displaced in this last, you know, forget the decade, the last couple of years alone? The Rohingya, the Syrian, the Kurds, the Uyghurs, etc., the Kashmiris, the Palestinians. So it depends how you look at it. But as I always say, the Muslim and the believer is always optimistic. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Strange is the affair of the believer because it's always good. Meaning the believer always sees what's good. And the reason we have that, and this is what I want to reflect with you on today, the reason the Prophet ﷺ told us that is that we have a unique perspective in our understanding of time. Time for us, as we know from our primary sources, and as we know scientifically as well, is relative. Time is not one dimension, but there are different ways of counting time. We have our way here in this world, and our time marks is marked by the movement of the sun, the 24 hours, the, or uh, the months, whether they be the solar months or the lunar months. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with the solar months. Some Muslims, they get this nervous reaction with the, the solar months, like just like something haram. It's just, the ulama knew the solar calendar because this is how they how agriculture ran. You can't run your agriculture, you know, your farming schedule based on the sighting of the moon. You can't say, oh, you're supposed to harvest your crops in Shaban, because Shaban can be winter, can be spring, can be summer. So the ulama, they knew the, the solar months. In the books of Fiqh, they're called the Christian or the Coptic months. And even till today, in Egypt, there's the Coptic calendar which follows the Agriculture, so there's nothing wrong with that. But anyway, so we have our own marking of time. We know all about that. But this time is not the time of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have many verses in the Quran that tell us that one day here, uh, one day with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like a thousand years of our time here. And the angels also, as they are coming up and down, bringing commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, carrying out their different functions, they also experience time differently. In different verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how one day with the angels that are bringing things back and forth is like 5,000 years of our early years. Which is why when we read in the Qur'an that when we die and we are asked, how long was your life? We will say, yawman it was like a day or part of a day. Because when we are with God in that time, and we look back to this life, all of this will be just a matter of seconds and minutes in comparison to that time that we live with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this that we are, not, not this like right now, I mean all of our life, our entire life, we will look back and it will seem that it was just a couple of minutes. And we experience this in this world ourselves when we dream. Or if you ponder what happened over the weekend, or what happened last week, or what happened last year, you can summarize this whole last year in your personal life, in your mind, very rapidly. You yourself can experience time differently. To prove this point, that time is relative. It's a dimension that Allah Ta'ala has created, like Allah has created space, like Allah has created color, like Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has created 
all the dimensions that define matter and mawjudat, matter, things that are physically in existence, all of the things that define that, Allah Ta'ala has created. That's our belief system. But Allah Ta'ala is outside of that. And therefore, Allah can manipulate, can change the definitions of these uh, accidents, as they're called in logic, can change the, the dimensions, can change the measurements, can change how they are weighed, including time itself. <coughs> The reason I say that is if you can stop and reflect on that just for a moment, you can solve so many spiritual, religious, theological problems that many of us experience. Oftentimes, we find ourselves, you know, we mentioned our brothers and sisters that are suffering. It's very easy to be confused. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why are the Muslims of China being uh, dehumanized in this way. Why is this? Why are the Rohingya, you know, stateless? Why is it that the Palestinians still don't have a state? You can you can go crazy thinking about this stuff. But if you understand that these are moments in the cosmic time, moments in life with a big L, then you will also understand that it's no big deal because there will be bumps along the way. And when you go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you look back at the life and you see, we will all see that all of this was like two, three minutes. Then we are going to be able to understand now that there are certain things that really matter and there are many things that don't matter. Many things that are not that important that we stress ourselves out. So you can start to understand and be able to solve for yourself what, what is called in our modern language the problem of suffering. The problem of suffering, other than the theology that Allah Ta'ala can do what He wants in creation, Allah is not, we don't ask Allah what He does, He asks us what we do. That this is all the mulk of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Other than that, we also understand that this is very minor. That what will happen through this life is very minor. And all of the things that we get worked up about, all of the things that we get stressed about, all the things that we get upset about, if you can take a step back and understand time with a big T, then you will realize it's nothing to be stressed out about at all. And then you can understand when you go back and you read the life of the Prophet, for example, you can understand why he, he never lost it. I mean, imagine having to go through the things that he went through. Imagine having to go through a tenth of what he had to go through. Imagine being kicked out of your own home, being uh, blacklisted by your own family, surviving assassination attempts, people try to kill him with stones, they try to poison him, his own family. Imagine seeing all of your children die in your life. Imagine having to go through that stress. But then he is the same person that taught us in this dua, in the day of uh, Taif, he said, Allah is saying, if this is not from your ghadab, if this is not from your wrath upon me, فَلَا means I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to stress out about it. As long as this is not a sign that you are upset with me, I don't care. And when did he say this, sallallahu After having gone to this city, having the children of the city throw stones at him until he bled and until his sandal was full of his blood, sallallahu alayhi wa I mean, if you, if you, if somebody sent you out and said, I want you to go pitch this project, and you went knocking door to door, 
or you went from investor to investor, or you went from meeting to meeting. And every time you went to a meeting, they, they picked up the pens and the paper pad in the office and they chucked them at you. You know, you would probably want to go to the top of the roof and throw yourself off. I mean, you wouldn't be like, Allah, no stress. That's humiliating. We would not be able to sustain something like that, that kind of rejection. But because the Prophet, his perspective was high. We've talked about this, but his perspective was physically high. Allah says to the Prophet, we see you looking concerned into the heavens. Physically, the Prophet would turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because he constantly kept that perspective, he taught us that this is the balance, how we can iron out all of these difficult times in our life. And when you think about that, the Prophet's prophetic life, وسلم, was only 23 years. We're saying this is the end of the decade. So two of these decades, all of Islam was built in just 23 years. All of the revelation of the Quran came in just 23 years. Look how much can be established in just those 23 years. And if you add on the years of the Khulafa after the Prophet, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Omar, Sayyidina Uthman, Sayyidina Ali, Imam Hassan, the five Khulafa, if you add those years, which is not 23, even less than that, Look at how far Islam spread. A lot can happen in a year, even more can happen in a decade. But the key is for us not to lose our perspective. For us, it's important that we don't think that this moment, this incident that happens now, this is it. And give up all hope. Abandon all hope. And give up and just and just lie down and, and want to die and have the, the, the event wash over you. But rather the Muslim, the believing man, the believing woman, the old and the young amongst us, all of us are ordered to be strong and to have our faith with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you won't be able to do that unless you always remember this issue of time. It's very easy to forget. I forget all the time. You get a bad email, something happens, uh, your spouse says something, your children says something, you get something in the mail you weren't expecting. I mean, these things can set you off really bad. I know, I've been there, you know, been there, done that. All of us have been like that. But if you can pause just for a micro moment and remember this lesson, the relativity of time, you will be embarrassed to overreact. Because when you look back at these two or three minutes that we call life, we will be embarrassed that we even wasted any of these minutes, any of these seconds in something that was frivolous. To be able to do this, other than the lesson of time, we need two things. One is we need abundance of patience. Allah Ta'ala praises the people that are patient. Allah doesn't praise the person that is quick, right? Allah praises the patient person. Jacob is described as having beautiful patience. He lost his son. He's so sad that he becomes blind from sadness. Can you imagine becoming blind from sadness? Knowing that your other children took this one child and God did God knows what with him. But, but Jacob never loses it. He doesn't lose his wits. He doesn't just sit down, woe is me, but he trusts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring him back his son. And Allah ta'ala, I mean, the story is so fascinating, the way that it unravels, it's the most detailed story that we have in the Quran. 
and it's contiguous, it's in one chapter, the chapter of Yusuf salam. And you see how Allah unveils these events such that all of his brothers become in his debt, in his need. And then he brings his father and his mother honored. And he re-enters, re Allah re-enters Joseph into the life of Yaqub in a state of, of a high state. <clears throat> and in this chapter, we are told about beautiful patience. Patience is not, okay, I'm patient. Now, where is it? That's not patience. But patience is you got to let go. And you have to remember that you are not in control. The ulama before us were so patient that we used their stories to reinforce this lesson. Imam al-Shafi, he was so poor when he studied that he would write his lessons if he would find like a, a leaf that was big enough or a bone on his way home or so he would take it and he would write his lessons on the bone. Now imagine if you saw Imam Shafi now, somebody like that doing that, you would call this person a loser. You would look down at this person, this homeless, disheveled, poor little kid who can't even afford a notebook to write his school lesson. This was Imam Shafi. Imam Malik, radiallahu anhu, struggled so much and was so patient when he first sought out to study that he sold the wooden beams of his roof, the roof of his house to afford enough to buy food to eat while he was... Imagine you have no roof over your house. Imam Malik, we call Imam Dar al-Hijrah. He is the Imam of the abode of Hijrah. He is the Imam of al-Madina al-Nawarah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed on him great vast wealth after that. But in his beginning, he was, he was patient. If you saw a man who had no roof over his head, and he said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm, I'm studying the hadith. He's like, oh, look at this, this Mori song. It's nothing. We go like this, nothing. Right? The caricature of the mumbling alim. In all of our ethnic backgrounds, the motif is that the alim, the sheikh, the maulana is the bumbling, idiot, ill-dressed, can't speak, or only speaks in fusha, no one can understand him, and you make fun of him. Right? Don't we have this motif in our, in our Islamic cultures? This was Imam Malik. This was Imam Abu Dawood al-Zahiri. All, I mean, you can go on and on and on, all of these stories of patience. I mean, real patience. Patience knowing la hawla wa la quwwata Knowing that you are not in control. And with that patience, you redefine for yourself success and failure. Because these people trusted that they were on the path to learn something that was important. The Sahaba, they used to complain. They said, how does this uh, Abu Huraira guy know all this hadith? Why does he know so much? All he did is follow the Prophet around. And he was always hungry. Now, if you saw somebody hanging out the mosque all the time, you would think this guy's a loser. This was Abu Hurairah, who preserved God knows the percentage of our deen for us by preserving and memorizing and cataloging all these hadith. And it says in the hadith that his stomach was full by glancing at the Prophet. That's somebody on another level, another level, who was satiated by being in the presence of the best of creation, But he was patient. He put in his time. 
The people before us, they put in their time and they preserved their religion for us. That's the definition of success. So to get through the difficult moments, as we reflect at the end of the year, the end of a decade, however we look at it, we must remember the value of patience, especially for our young people. Now we live in an age where everything is instant. An instant comment, an instant like, an instant post. It's, it, we, we, instant gratification. They used to say instant gratification when I was growing up. We didn't have this stuff when I was growing up. Now it's even more. It really is instant. All the time. Notifications all the time. You have to train yourself to be patient. You have to train yourself to let go. You have to train yourself to have quiet moments, simple moments, in which you can smell and perceive and really see that Allah Ta'ala is in control, not you. And the second tool we need is we need to be serious. We need to be serious about our faith. We need to be serious about practicing our faith. We need to be serious about the time that we have been given. Your life is exactly that. It's your life. Only you can live that life. You must make the most of it. It's a gift that has been given to you. Each one of us. I'm not saying that everyone has to win the Nobel Prize. I'm not saying that everyone has to go out and create peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. I'm not saying that. But you have to make the most of what has been given to you. Especially for those that are still in school. As you look forward to the future. You're not as jaded as we are. We know the world is messed up. You still have, we have hope in you because you still see hope in the world. You must make something of your life. Grab your life with all of your being. Remembering to be patient. Remembering that Allah is in control. And make a stand. Make your life count for something. So on that day, and trust me, that day will come. When you look back at these two, three minutes of your life, you will be proud of what you have presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You say, look Allah, what I did with everything that you gave me. Look what I have, what I have striven to accomplish in your name. This is part of your, the reason of your creation. Allah says he has created you from the earth and has asked of you that you develop this develop this earth. means that Allah has asked from us that we develop this earth. Anything that you do in your life is developing this earth. You know, unless you're like building missiles for Lockheed Martin or something like that. I'm not sure. Questionable. But, you know, maybe there's defense and stuff like that. But everything else, you know, other than that, you know, your career, your job, what you're helping people, you have to think like that. And you have to be aggressive in trying to achieve the most you can in that. You have to be serious about your life. Don't just take life so, you know, whatever, you know, comes. And don't be like that. The people before us were serious. They they could see that their one foot's in the grave. And they could see this lesson of time. They could see it in front of them. It doesn't matter what happens the day to day. What matters is what we have accomplished, what we will go and show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as we conclude the year, as we conclude the decade, reflect on this. Reflect on the meaning of time. Reflect on the value of patience. And reflect on the seriousness with which you approach your life. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم 
اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم a few announcements we have a, a very rich supply of lost and found items that are all in sister zamruda's who's standing there her possession so let me give you a short fiqh lesson in, in fiqh lost and found is called al-lukhata what happens when you find the lost and found item you can take it or leave it so it's better to take it so you can protect it you have to come to the local mosque and announce so this is the announcement and you give the owner one year after that it becomes ours okay <laughs> unless you know of course the fiqh talks about if you leave a goat or you know, no one's the goat in the mosque but there are a lot of jackets and there's a lot of cash in the jackets so even though we've had them for over a year, this is the official announcement for today. Today is the 27th of December. So we have until next December 27th. These things are not claimed. By the right of the Sunnah, these will go into the coffers. So this is your last chance. You know, you have 365 days to claim your lost and found items. So see Sisters of Buddha if you think you've lost something. Or if you want to donate it to the mosque, don't see Sisters of Buddha. <laughs> As for du'a, we lost two uh, family members in Bangladesh, Brother Abu Bakr Siddiqui and Dr. Muhammad Jahangir Hussain. We ask Allah Ta'ala for his maqfirah, inshallah, for them and for their family. And also, we have a brother who is in uh, Orlando who died last Sunday, Brother Rashid Qarda, I think, or Qardi who passed away has not yet been buried, so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a quick burial and washing of his body, inshallah. May Allah ta'ala have mercy on him and all of those have, uh, have passed. And specifically, I didn't want the khutbah to be about this, but specifically in all seriousness, we need to remember uh, the people in our faith community around the world that are suffering. Majid? Okay, Brother Majid in California, we're making du'a as well, inshallah, for him. And all of those have deceased. And add to our du'a. And remember what is happening to our brothers and sisters in China, which is really unprecedented in modern history. What is happening to the Rohingya, again, unprecedented in modern history. Make du'a for our brothers and sisters that are suffering. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring his curse upon those who injure those who worship his holy name in whatever faith they may be. May the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be on those who seek to change the Quran. May the curse be upon Allah ta'ala be upon those who seek to destroy the houses of worship that worship Allah ta'ala's name. Because this is a serious matter. Whether the person be Muslim, whether the person be Christian or Jewish or Buddhist or Hindu or whatever, or atheist or whatever, Allah Ta'ala has no veil between the God of the person that is oppressed and himself. And there is no community on this earth that is more oppressed in the modern age, in the last year, the last decade, except the, the Ummah of Islam. Never forget that. Whatever people say, whatever they want us to believe, we, there is no community that is more oppressed, whose humanity has been taken away, than the international Muslim community. Going all the way back to what happened with Bosnia and Herzegovina in the 1980s, up until our time, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy be upon them. Sometimes we feel helpless, we don't know what to do for them, but at least we can turn to Allah ta'ala. We know that Allah ta'ala will answer the dua.
We ask Allah's protection for our brothers and sisters. We ask Allah's protection for our mosques and our schools. We ask Allah Ta'ala for his protection for the Aqsa Mosque, the Haram in Mecca, the Haram in Medina, all of our masajid. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to alleviate the suffering of all of our brothers and sisters wherever they are, however this place they are. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to feed the hungry, to give home to the homeless, to cure those that are ill. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala with all of his beautiful names. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to heal us, to lift us, to make us the people of the Qur'an, to make us the people of the Sunnah. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to have mercy on those who have passed before us. We ask Allah Ta'ala to bless our parents and to protect our children. We ask Allah Ta'ala to bestow His mercy upon this community and upon all those affiliated with this community. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala for His forgiveness as we approach this end of the year. May this new year be a year of blessings for all of us. May it be a blessings for our children. May it be a blessings for our community. May we see the goodness of humanity overflow the evil of humanity. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help reduce the suffering of those who suffer wherever they may be. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring to justice those who abuse their power. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of this and we know that he is able. Allahumma ahdina fi man hadayt. Allahumma aafina fi man aafayt. Wa tawallana fi man tawallayt. Allahumma barik lana fi ma aqayt. Wa qina wasrif anna sharba ma qadayt. Allahumma taqabbal salatana wa siyamana. Wa qiyamana wa rukuhana wa sujudana ya arhamur rahimin. Allahumma aghfir lana dhunubana wa israfana fi amrina. Wa thabit aqdamana wa nsurna ala alqawm alkafirin. اللهم تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم اللهم احشرنا تحت لواء نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم القيامة واسقنا من يده شربة لا نظمأ من بعدها أبدا ثم أدخلنا الجنة بغير حساب ولا سابقة عقاب ولا عتاب اللهم متعنا بالنظر إلى وجهك الكريم في جنات الخلد يا رحيم اللهم ارحم حينا وميتنا وحاضرنا وغائبنا وارفع عيد الأمم عنا اللهم أقمنا بالحق وأقم الحق بنا وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وأقم الصلاة سلم الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابنا